Hey, today's message is about readiness. Uh, we are in this series in First Peter uh, the entire year as we walk through First Peter, Second Peter, and, and through these books of the Bible. Uh, the Lord is calling us to increase in something, to increase. And on a weekly basis, we're, we're just basically taking the text and finding out what it is revealing to us to be ready for. Um, and last week, uh, we were told to not uh, give, uh, to not revile, to when somebody treats us with evil intentions, to not treat them the same way, instead to be a blessing. And we got to be ready for that because we live in a world where we're constantly going to be reviled, constantly going to be rebuked. Something bad is going to be said to us, some insult, some comment, some hateful thing, and we need to be ready. Uh, you don't get ready in the moment. What happens if you get ready in the moment is you react. And uh, I've done that more times than I care to admit. So if you prepare your heart before anything happens, say at the beginning of the day, you won't react, but you'll act out of that readiness. And this morning, Peter is going to continue on in this vein of thought in context, and he's going to begin in verse 10, 1 Peter 3, verse 10, by quoting one of the Psalms. He's going to quote Psalm 34. And um, he's told us already, just to, to carry this thought along, to be of one united mind. That's what the body of Christ is to do. To have a tender, compassionate heart that does not return evil for evil. If we desire a blessing, we don't act like the devil. When the devil attacks, we act like Christ. We never stoop to the, the levels of our enemy. Instead, we are raised up above that so that we have a heart that doesn't have to respond in that way. And this is where Peter begins in 1 Peter 3, verse 10. And very, very important, this first verse, because it's going to be describing the rest of what we're looking at today. For whoever desires to love life and see good days... Uh, I know in studying that the New American Standard Bible from the 95 translation says, whoever desires life, love, and good days. Uh, but I like the way that it's translated here, whoever desires to love life and see good days. Do you want to, this is the question that will frame the rest of this message, see good days and love your life? And the answer should be yes. We all want good days, and we all want to have a zeal and a zest and a passion for life, whether it's a good day or whether we consider it a bad day. And he says, the very first thing he says in context with this is about our mouths. And it sounds a little oxymoronic, but we'll look at it. Let him keep his tongue from evil. If you desire to love life and see good days, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from deceitful speech. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are inclined or open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, this morning... As we consider whether our hearts are ready, and Lord, I think there's a lot to this readiness, whether we're ready to give a testimony of our faith to anyone who may ask, 
whether we're ready uh, to live out the rest of our days, Lord God, on this earth uh, with thankful hearts, whether we're ready uh, for the good days that you have prepared for us, whether we're ready uh, in days that seem like it's only a storm cloud and only uh, a darkness around us that we could still see light, whether it's to love our lives or to sink down and to be depressed in our lives. Lord, uh, we, we ask you to prepare us this morning, especially to prepare us for Jesus' return. Father, I pray right now at the onset of this message, Lord God, as we are all sitting here and everyone is a soul that you've created, that you know intimately, that you placed in their mother's womb. Every person that's listening uh, is your beloved. What we pray, Father, is that if there is anyone amongst us who does not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, that they would begin today by the conviction and the power of the Holy Spirit working upon them in such a way that they would bend their knee and confess their sin and pronounce with their mouths by faith that Jesus is Lord and they would ask you to save them. For those of us who have believed and we trust Jesus, that the rest of our days wouldn't catch us off guard, that we would be ready for whatever comes by trusting in you and by walking in faith. Father, we pray for a blessing today. We pray that you would watch over this congregation. We pray for our sister churches uh, around us locally and around the world. We pray for those that are suffering, those that are hungry, those that are starving, those that are oppressed. And Lord, we pray that as we're ready, we're going to be ready to, to meet out justice, to carry the good news to the ends of the earth, to light the torch in the darkness, that we're going to be ready with a testimony to tell people about the hope that is within us and that other people might see our faith and glorify you. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, guys. So we have here just the beginning of this verse. The last part is very, very important, but it's one I think that you're a little bit more familiar with. After you get to verse 13 and, and through verse 17, and we'll read that in just a moment, but more people know that passage than probably this first. And so we know to be ready today, okay? Uh, uh, let's see. Have you, have you ever had, uh, I'm bad about this. Somebody will say, hey, what's the name of that person who owns the red Cadillac that always parks in the front spot at church? And you're like, oh, 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 oh. If you hadn't asked me, I'd be able to tell you their name, right? That happens to me often, okay? Um, it's a sign of aging, correct, uh, from what I hear. Um, the mind is the first to go. Uh, a lot of times when people ask us a question, it seems like people ask their best questions when we're least prepared to answer. And so I don't know if you've ever been in a situation in your life where somebody's asked you about your faith or about Jesus or some biblical theological uh, faith question, and you were caught off guard, and you didn't really know how to answer. And I don't know how you responded in that moment. Sometimes it's okay, obviously, to say, I don't know, uh, and that you'll get them an answer, uh, and that you do respond and follow up with that. But we're always supposed to be ready. We're supposed to be ready on a daily basis. Uh, should a wreck happen, uh, God forbid, or we're involved in some kind of traffic accident, should uh, somebody accuse us of something uh, that we didn't do, or should we uh, have some moment of meltdown, we always need to be ready to respond in faith. It isn't easy, but if you've prepared your heart it's a whole lot easier. You know, uh, they talk about uh, the mosquito, that the mosquito would be so full 
that when it bit you and sucked your blood, that it would fly away singing, there's power in the blood. I don't know that the mosquitoes would always sing that of me or of you. But we need to be that ready, okay? And so Peter's saying that our hearts, as we well know, ought to be set and fixed on some object all the time. Our minds should be focused on Jesus and on heaven. We shouldn't hold fast to the things of this world. This stuff isn't what brings us our greatest joy. Our, our hope and our true inheritance is in eternity with the Lord Jesus. But we're also supposed to live our lives here. Now, and just consider what Paul said in Philippians chapter 1, verses 23 and 24. He was asked this question, which is better, to go home to be with the Lord or to stay here on earth? And his answer was, I, I am hard-pressed between the two, he said, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better, but it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. You see, Paul was betwixt these two straits. It wasn't good versus bad, but good versus better. And guys, I don't know that we often look at it that way. I think a lot of times we think of life as bad and heaven as better. But God is telling us, I've given you these lives as gifts. And your lives are good. Your days are good. Your God is good. The blessings, the memories that you're making, the things that you have, the job, the health, the life, the love, the family, all of these things are good things. And so often we just take them for granted. And all we're looking for is, without thankfulness, we push the things of life aside and we want heaven. And yes, we want heaven. But don't Neglect or forsake the goodness of God here and now. Heaven is our forever home. Man, we ought to be living life here too. A lot of Christians in the Thessalonian church, at the church of Thessalonica, and even today, I think, uh, kind of rest on their laurels. They, they sit back and just wait for Jesus' return or wait for the day that they'll get called home and the, the role is called up yonder and we'll be there. And we don't do much with our earthly lives. And that's uh, obviously something that Peter is preaching against, that Paul will preach against. Uh, people who uh, dislike this life are usually defined more in line with those who live without Jesus or who have no hope for eternal peace. But we are not without Christ, and we are not without hope, and we are not without peace, so that we cultivate and grow a love for life within our souls even now. And it, it should be an effervescent thing that kind of bubbles to the top, and when people are around us, there's something so different from the darkness and the crudity and all the evil of this world that people want what we have because it's different we are peculiar. We are uh, so unique that the world sees us as odd. And odd in a good way because we love life. We have hope. We have peace. We have something to be thankful for, something to get up each day that's not just work to live for and to carry out. We have a mission. And so Peter is literally saying if we want to be ready for good days, it's time to start thinking of every day as a blessing and finding the good in it. Now remember in context, he's talking to Christians who have been forced away from their home. 
They've had to leave family. They've had to leave their, their careers and their livelihood. They've been pushed out into places and the hedges and, and byways. And, and the, a lot of them have been in hiding. They've found communities of one another. They've started these little believers' churches in places. There's a fellowship and an assembling together in the name of Jesus. But they are without everything that they know and love. And Peter's telling those people with this audacity, still, you're to find the good in your days. Well, that's tough for us. When you wake up every morning and you hurt, when you're in pain, when your beloved is gone, or when you get the bad news that it's cancer, that it's malignant, Bad news weighs us down. God gives us good news to buoy us and lift us back up. But so often, the bad news, for some reason, even for believers, is more powerful than the good news, and we stay down beneath the surface, drowning and suffocating in the evil of this world. And guys, that's not supposed to be the way for Christians. Jesus came to give us life, not tread water life, not exist life, abounding, abundant life so that we could have glory and hope and of all people on this earth be most blessed. To find the good in days, it's time to start thinking of today as a blessing. We need to look for the good in life. And it starts now. In heaven we know this. Every day is going to be a good day. It's going to be perfect. But now, every day can be good, but much of it depends on how we prepare for it. Listen, if you wake up in the morning and you think, oh, crap, it's a Monday. <sighs> I hate Mondays. Do you know what the rest of your Monday is probably going to be like? Oh, it's only Wednesday. You know, uh, amen, right? All right. That's, Richard, thank you, Okay. You should be happy on Wednesday because it's church day and Johnny's cooking. And you know you can look forward to that. Uh, <laughs> we, uh, when we wake up in the morning, we set a tone. And I'm not talking about psychology here, even though uh, a proper spiritual, biblical psychology will set a lot of things in place for the rest of your day. But how you tell yourself, how you wake up, if you wake up with thankfulness, if you wake up with gratefulness for the day, that you see God's mercies as new today, as you begin preparing your mind, and maybe if you started in Bible study or time with the Lord or in prayer, it sets something in motion that kind of unfurls and unravels for the rest of the day. And that is, I think, in essence, what Peter is saying here, that we need to prepare our minds, prepare our hearts, prepare our mouths to focus on the good that God has for us in the day. God has good for you in every single day. But a lot of times, because we're focused on it, all we see is the bad. We don't see the positive blessings, we see the negative cursings. And we have to be careful of what we're looking for because we're focused on it. And Peter says to, to love life and to see good days will begin with your tongue. Let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. If you woke up this morning and you said, I hate Duke. Well, 
rather than, man, we were playing on borrowed, we were playing on house money with the Razorbacks making it to the Elite Eight. Man, I am thankful for that ball club and that team, but you know what? After they lost last night, I still went to sleep peaceful uh, because my hope doesn't hang on the Hogs winning the national championship. I would have liked it. Uh, I would have liked to send Coach K home losing. Uh, that would have been great. We all wanted the 94 repeat, but we don't have Scotty Thurman this time, okay? Here's the deal. Stuff, it makes a poor God, okay? Sports makes a poor God. Uh, hunting and fishing makes a poor God. Uh, work makes a poor God. The things of this world which God gives us for our enjoyment and our blessing and our encouragement aren't the things that we're to worship. Instead, you go to bed at night, hopefully thanking God for the day behind you and asking Him for blessing if He would give us mercy and grace in the day ahead. You wake up with thanks on your lips that He gave you life, and you prepare your heart and your mind, and yes, you prepare your mouth as well. Do you remember Isaiah's reaction in Isaiah 6? when he stands before the Lord and he encounters this transcendent majesty of God, the first thing he says is, woe is me. This is the prophet Isaiah, okay? He says, woe is me, for I am a man of unclean what? Lips. This is a man who preaches and speaks God's word. He is a mouthpiece for God, and yet he stands in the presence of God, and the first thing he acknowledges is, my lips are unclean. And so what happens there in Isaiah 6? Listen to verses 6 and 7. One of the seraphim flew to me, and in his hands was a glowing coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it he touched my mouth and said, Now that this has touched your lips, your iniquity is removed and your sin is atoned for. There's this corresponding dialogue afterwards where Isaiah and God are speaking back and forth. And uh, each time there, there's an ask and there's a reply. There's a correspondence. The mouth and the tongue are used in this communication with God. And God answers. And so there's something to this idea of having a clean mouth to create in us a pure heart. Like Isaiah, I think when we stand before God's holiness... I wonder if the first thing me or you think of is how unclean our lips are, how poor our speech is. Because Isaiah, of all people, recognized it. He, he recognized that what he speaks, what comes out of his mouth or what doesn't come out of his mouth, if, if negative things come out or if a lack of praise isn't, if praise isn't spoken, that there is corruption coming from him, and it affects his heart. It affects how he behaves, and that we desperately need repentance. You know, it's with our lips that we're called to bear witness to the truth of God, to speak praise and honor and glory about Jesus, to share the hope that's within us to unbelievers, and maybe even the edification and hope that a believer needs so that they could be encouraged. We speak those things. We're called to sing praises and proclaim the gospel and tell the wonderful things he has done and to witness of his faithfulness. But far too often, our mouths are used for gossip and slander and ridicule and hate speech and negative things. And guys, I want you to know, and I think Scripture speaks clearly to this, our mouths and our hearts, 
our mouths and our minds and our hearts are all similarly connected. If you wake up in the morning and daily, okay, let's just say this. We've got a four and a five-year-old. If every day I said, you're stupid, you're worthless, you're good for nothing, and I said that every day of those little boys' lives, what do you think that they would think about themselves? How do you think they would grow up living? Defeated, they would be the dog with the tail between its legs. They wouldn't think much of themselves, and therefore, the rest of their lives, they would live cowardly and fearfully and worthlessly. But if I tell them, and we repeat the things of, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are a child of God. Jesus died for you on the cross. He loves you, but we love you too. We know and we believe in you. Now, now listen, you're not going crazy like, hey, you're going to be the next LeBron James or something. You know, like, they're white, okay? We get that, all right? Um, but we want to keep it in reason, and, and, and yet still encourage and edify our children because a child that grows up in that atmosphere is much more likely to recognize their worth and that it doesn't come from stuff, it comes from him. And man, we need that as adults too. How, how sweet is it to have somebody just to reach out to you and say, I love you. I just want you to know I'm praying for you. I, I, I am impressed by the way you've been handling yourself. I've seen it at work. Um, I've noticed these things. And man, those things just act as little bricks in a wall of encouragement. And we need those things. But so much of that comes from the mouth. You can tear people down and destroy them with your words, or you can build them up and edify them with your words. And really, Peter's saying, if you're going to see the good in life, it starts with how you speak it. I'm not talking about a name it and claim it type thing. That's not what I'm saying this morning. But I am saying that there's a whole lot more that comes out of your mouth and how you live and how your feet follow your faith when you're actually faithful, when you're actually positive, when you're actually speaking truth and not deceit, when you're building people up and not cutting them down, and especially how we speak to ourselves. I'm going to tell you guys, if I ever, every time I make a mistake, I say, you, you moron, you, you, oh, you can't do anything right. Do you know that my negative speech to myself affects what I think? How I view myself in people's eyes, my worth? And it's opposite of what Jesus says about me. Satan is a liar, and he whispers these things to us. And so we have to be careful even what we're saying to ourselves. Because if I think my, my, myself, if I'm worthless, then what point is even living? Why would my days even matter? How could I find good in a day if I'm the bad part of the day? And so there is this, I think, that exists. James tells us to watch our mouths. He says, see how great a forest a little fire kindles? Well, you can set a whole forest ablaze. Be ready for good days. Be ready for a love of life. By preparing your mouths. You know, I I hate snakes. Um, Two things I hate. The color orange and snakes, all right? And so I'm coaching T-ball this year, right, Brian? We're we're coaching. Guess what color and what name they give us? Orange, and we're the Rattlers, all right? (laughs) 
And so we called and asked, can we please, like, I'll pay money, you know, can we do something? Nope, sorry, it's already set. You're the orange rattlers. And I'm like, okay, great, super. We're going to make the most of it, right? But when you think about snakes, a lot of times you can um, tell, uh, hopefully you're not close enough to a snake to have to tell this, but you can tell if they're poisonous or not by the shape of their head, all right? Um, A diamond-shaped head is one way, just one, to spot a poisonous snake. Uh, A viper is a diamond-shaped head. It's poisonous. One of the things that's so dangerous about a viper is that this store of venom that they store inside these little reservoirs, and through its fangs, through its teeth, when it strikes and bites, this venom is released. And we look at Christians, and we should think, that's not a poisonous snake. We, we, we often, though, make judgment calls. Here's, the, here's my point in this. Let us not be somebody that a person sees, and they immediately think dangerous, poisonous, harmful, hurtful, stay away. We aren't called to release venom into people. We aren't called to poison the world. We're called to heal the world through our message of faith, the gospel in Jesus. And so the things that come out of our mouths should be about Jesus, not more poison that's already interspersed throughout the world. Jesus himself defines the Christian as a person who is of the truth. We have the truth. We hold the truth, we know the truth, we share the truth, we live the truth, we give the truth. Uh, James will tell us later on, or James has told us, I'm sorry, in James 5 that our yeses should be yes and our noes should be no, that we don't have to swear. If you have to say, I swear, the answer is yes. Well, I'm going to take that with a grain of salt. Just say yes. If I know you to be a person of repute and of character and integrity, your yes is all I need to hear. I don't need a handshake. I don't need a signature on a contract. I just need to hear that. If Louis Valines were to tell me, yes, Aaron, I'll be there. You know what? I'm going to trust that his word is true. So we are people who live and speak the truth, and we give the truth even through our speech. You're to be a straight talker. People should be able to trust you, not only in your word, but also in your deed. Be mindful of this. Speak truth to yourself Speak truth and love to others. Speak praise and thanks and glory to God. Your speech affects how you think. And how you think affects how you live. Okay? Seek peace and pursue it. Because you'll never find what you're not searching for. Um, verse 12. <laughs> I promise I'm almost done. Uh, even though that was really the gist of the message. Is our speech really affects what we see about ourselves and our days and about our God. But look at verse 12. See, it talks about the Lord's eyes and the ear, his ears and his face. You know, a lot of times when we're praying, there's a couple of elements to God. There's more than this, but the two main elements that I think we often use when we pull out prayer is, God give me, God bless me, God touch me, God heal me, God help me. And we're asking for God's hands to do something. His hands are uh, beyond measure, beyond length. He can rescue us out of anything, save us from something, touch us in a moment of need or affliction. And there's nothing wrong with praying for God's hands upon you. 
But there's also this element that we often neglect, and it's God's face. To encounter God's face is to be in his presence, to have his eye upon you, his ear inclined or open to you, to be in the presence of God. And guys, that is where we need to be first and foremost, in God's presence, before we receive God's hand of blessing. And so often we're asking God to give us these things, but less often are we just being with the God who gives good things. And so when Peter's talking about God's face, I think one of the things he's saying is, when you get in the presence of God, when you get with him, before him, and it's just you and him, and, and, and you're not necessarily asking for something, you may have needs, and it's okay to ask God for those needs, but when you're just with him, that will get your life ready for anything else that is to come. To be in the presence of God and to leave out of the presence of God prepares you for a multitude of scenarios. To spend time with the Lord, man, it prepares you to go out. You know, we're going back to Isaiah 6. When Isaiah was with the Lord, he said, God said, who will I send? He's been in the presence of God, okay, before the transcendent majesty and glory of God. He's just been with God. And God is asking this open-ended question, to whom shall I send someone to the people? And Isaiah's ready at that point. He says, here I am, send me. I'll go. Why was he ready to go? Because he had been with the Lord. Being with the Lord prepares us to go out into the world. And so as we read Peter's descriptions, we see that God's eye is tender. God's eye is over you. God's eye is upon you. You are the apple of his eye. If his eye is on the sparrow, you can be assured day in and day out, in good days and bad days, on the mountaintop in the valley, that God's eye is also on you. God keeps an eye on the righteous. His gaze lifts us up. His ears are always open to our prayers. He turns his ear to the prayers of his people. If you're ever to be ready for anything in life, I'll say this again, it would be through effectual fervent prayer, spending time in the presence of God. You want power? You want readiness, you want energy, you want to be quickened and enlivened, you want to be ready to give an answer, you want to be ready to live and obey. It comes from presence of God. Increase in readiness. Be ready for the Lord's movement in your life. I think one of the things is God's wanting to work and do something in our lives a lot of times, but we're just not ready. He, he wants to give us something, but we're not equipped to handle it yet. He wants to give us a blessing or answer some prayer. And because of something in our lives, disobedience or sin or, or who knows what it is or immaturity or unpreparedness, we're just not ready to take what he's trying to give us. Be ready for the Lord's movement in your life. Be ready for the Lord's working. If, if Jesus were to call you like he did with Peter and James and John, they were on those fishing boats, and Jesus said, come, follow me. They threw down their nets, they left, they were prepared to follow him. If God says, leave your job behind, leave this place, come with me, or if God says simply to stop with the way you're thinking and let's move this direction, are you ready at that moment 
to drop everything and to follow the Lord. Be ready for the Lord's return. Watch your mouth, turn from evil, seek peace, pursue it. As God's people, we're to maintain this style of living. Often we don't. It's a practical matter for us as believers. We live in a dark world full of suffering, and we ought to be ready for anything the Lord commands. We ought to be instantly mobilized for the truth so that any time, you know, my brother's a military guy, and he's a special forces guy, but he has this thing, and several years ago, I, I didn't know what it was. And I asked him, I said, what's that? It was a backpack kind of under his desk over by the door, and he says, that's my, my bolt bag, my bug out bag. I was like, well, what's in it? He's like, pistol, food, change of clothes, stuff. I was like, that's cool. I was like, is that in case you have to run out the door? And he's like, absolutely. He was ready should anything happen if he had to instantly mobilize and equip to be able to go out. I know other people, police officers and, and first responders and different people have something ready all the time. And guys, that's the way we're supposed to live. We're supposed to live ready. If we're not ready, when the time comes, we'll miss out. You know, we were talking, uh, I was talking to somebody after service one day, and I don't know if you've ever seen uh, the movies Left Behind. I'm not going to say that those are uh, 100% theologically accurate, but it makes you think and wonder about things. Can you imagine if we're in church service this morning and we hear a trumpet call and we, something's happening and the dead in Christ rise first and those of us who are alive and remain are caught up with him in the air? I mean, in the twinkling of an eye. And there's five or six people left here in this church building. Or maybe one or two, or maybe 10 or 12, I don't know. But what if we're one of the ones that were left behind? Can you imagine the torment, the pain, the feeling? Because we played at church good. We acted like Christians. We, we gave all the outward signs, but inside we had never repented and asked for forgiveness. And we know what just happened. Man, I don't want that for anybody. I want every one of us. I want, I want everything to be cleared out and let's go to be with the Lord. We know that won't happen because great and wide are the gates that lead to destruction and narrow are the road, is the road and the gate that leads to righteousness. But it doesn't mean that you don't have that opportunity here today. Be ready. If Jesus were to come back today, you have to make sure that you're ready. And the opportunity exists in this. If the Holy Spirit is convicting and drawing you, and you know your need for salvation, you cry out to him, confessing your sin, and asking him to save you. There is no magic prayer. When we say, pray this prayer after me, that's a model. It doesn't mean you have to pray it just like that. What it takes is a faithful heart, humbly asking for forgiveness and believing in Jesus. And you know what? You will enter heaven. That's God's promise. The rest of our lives are built leading other people to heaven and storing up treasure in heaven and getting ready for the crowns that we're going to cast at his feet in heaven, the rewards of heaven. We have to be ready. All I want you to do is listen. You can read with me if you want to. 
verses 13 to 17. I'm going to read it slowly, and then we're done. And who is he who will harm you if you become followers of what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. He's not just saying that you're going to get a blessing. He says you're blessed now. It's a present ongoing that will go on to even greater extents forever. Have no fear of them or their threats, nor be troubled or shaken. But in your hearts, sanctify Christ as Lord. That word means to honor him or worship him as Lord. Always being prepared to give a defense to everyone who asks you for the, the hope, for the reason for the hope that is in you. And he says, but take care, this is Aaron paraphrase, to respond with gentleness and respect. Keep a clear conscience so that even those who slander you, the people who talk bad about you, that, that run your name through the mud, that stab you in the back and speak maliciously of you, that even those people may be put to shame. They're going to be embarrassed because of your good behavior in Christ. You, you live such a life of integrity that if somebody came up to me and said, boy, did you hear what Karen Maloney did? I'd be like, I, I believe it, whatever you're going to say, okay? No, I'd say, first of all, Karen's my sister in Christ and my friend, so be careful what you say next. Because I love her and I respect her. I'm not going to give an ear to it like Satan wants people to do. But if they say something and they say, she hurt an entire family by promising to do something for them and never following through. I'm going to say, man, if that really happened, which I don't believe because I know her and her, her history and her record, but if that really happened, let's go to Karen and ask her because then there's the opportunity to make it right. It's not me jumping in and saying, well, you know what, one time, she told me she was going to take me to McDonald's, and she didn't, so I can believe that. We ain't never missed McDonald's, all right? Guys, don't live in such a way, don't speak in such a way that the accusations of people stick. Live beyond reproach is the command of the Bible. It does not mean we're perfect. Because every one of us is very imperfect. But under the righteousness of Jesus, we can live in such a way that when people cast and hurl things against our name, it's like they're hurling things against the name of Christ and they just slide off the wall and they don't stick. We can live that way. For it is better if it is the will of God to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, Lord, this morning, pray that you would make us prepared. If we're not prepared for heaven today, that you would call people to repent and believe by faith and trust Jesus as their Savior. Father, if we're not prepared for what's going to happen as we walk out into the world in just a moment, and as we go to work and school tomorrow, that you would prepare us, 
Lord God, to live as light in the darkness, to live as sheep amongst wolves, to live as faithful amongst the unfaithful, to live as pure and righteous amongst the evil and polluted. Father, help us to know what we believe. Even more so, Lord, I I pray that you would help us to know why we believe it. And probably even more so than that, God, that we'd live out what you've said to your honor and glory. God, you're honest, you're trustworthy, you're patient with us, you're full of love and mercy and grace, and you're also full of truth. Lord, we pray that through Jesus that you who have redeemed us and cleansed us would sanctify us again. And that each one of us would make the decision this morning to sanctify you in our hearts. To praise you. To give you the place of prominence. To worship you. To put you as number one. Lord, I believe that if we spend time in your presence and we seek to obey you, that we'll be ready for anything that the enemy of our souls might throw at us. We'll be ready for Monday. We'll be ready for accidents. We'll be ready for the friend who has a question about faith. We'll be ready for the difficult people and the difficult days. And that you would begin in us, Lord God, this work of loving life and seeing the good in days so that we would be a hope-filled people that are a bright testimony to this dark world. Lord, we ask for your help in all this. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.